of the ordinary. Like catch a matinee, baby. You are the prototype. I think I I'm Chris Smith from BBC Radio 1's Newsbeat, and you're listening to the News Hour on University Radio York. On air, 1350 AM, and online. This, this is York Unis Student Radio Station. You are. Good evening, it's 6 pm. On tonight's URY News Hour, starting at four minutes past six. Sorry about the delay. Tonight we discuss welfare on campus and how to access it. With this year's successful pilot of a USU Night Safe scheme and the USU Election Welfare and Community candidates all promising more provision for these services, URY News will tonight focus on the different types of welfare which are available on campus to all students. In the last week, welfare services has been used a lot by students due to the announcement of two deaths of University of York students. Today, URY has talked to directors student support services Peter Quinn about how the university supports students in all situations from bereavements to stress or other factors that affect a student's mental health. Plus we'll have a live panel in the studio made up of welfare representatives from college JCRCs and welfare tutors. Throughout the night we are having conversations and discussions around these issues. Also we'll be looking at the role of the open door team plays alongside Nightline, the student run support phone line and college welfare teams. All this and the latest new headlines alongside an interview with Jack Spring TFTV student who is this week's featured You Start project. But first now, let's go over to the latest news headlines with Peter Rogers. Live from the URI newsroom, it's 6.05. There are fears that more members of an Assyrian Christian community in northeastern Syria were abducted by Islamic State militants than at first thought. Sources in the community said as many as 200 people might have been seized on Monday in raids on a string of villages near Tal Tamar in Hazaka province. Many of the captives were women, children and the elderly. Some 1,000 local Assyrian families are believed to have fled their homes in the wake of the abductions. There will be no criminal charges as a result of the Glasgow bin lorry crash, it has been confirmed. Six people died and ten more were injured when a council bin lorry crashed into pedestrians in Glasgow city centre on 22nd of December. The Crown Office said that there was no evidence that either the driver or city council was to blame for the accident. Imposing fines of up to £500,000 on the companies behind cold calls and nuisance text messages is to become easier under changes to the law being made by the government. The move follows tens of thousands of complaints about cold calling. Currently, firms can only be punished if the information commissioner can prove a call caused substantial damage or substantial distress. In sport, two-time world champion Fernando Alonso has left hospital following Sunday's crash in testing. The McLaren driver, who is 33, has returned to his family home in Spain for further rest and recuperation. As a result, he will miss the third and final testing session, which is due to start on Thursday in Barcelona. Gary Wilson hit 80 to help Ireland to a nervy two-wicket World Cup win over the United Arab Emirates in Brisbane. Shimon Anwar scored a maiden one-day international century as the UAE part-timers hit 147 from their last 15 overs to post 278 for nine. 
They then pegged Ireland back to 97 for four, but Kevin O'Brien and Wilson put on 72 from 36 balls for the sixth wicket to help rebuild the innings. Finally, tonight's weather will be cloudy and increasingly windy overnight. Rain will become heavier and more persistent later in the night with hill fog. Mild southwesterly winds will be strong with gales on hills. That's the latest. I'm Peter Rogers. On air, online, York Uni's student radio station. Radio news by students for students. The URI News Hour on University Radio York. Good evening. It's coming up to seven minutes past six to listen to the URI News Hour. Remember, all this week we have the election coverage coming up on Friday night. We have election results night live from the Roger Kirk Centre. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to be here from 8pm. And just walking into the office now, we have some guests who are going to join us in the studio. And it's all part of our welfare special on this evening. Uh, so what I'll do to begin with, while they're getting themselves ready and moving into it, I'll just outline the structure of our show today uh, and why we're focusing for the first part on welfare. So inquests were opened last week into the deaths of two Vanbrugh students who died within days of each other. Alexander Hurry, a first-year sociology student, was found dead in student accommodation on a week last Sunday. So Ahmed, a third-year archaeology student, was found at an off-campus property on Friday. Tonight, UOI News looks at the welfare provision offered on campus, triggered by the recent events and the emergency appointments scheduled by the Open Door team and Unity Health, alongside a look at the wider support services that are offered at the university year-round. Throughout tonight's show, we are joined with a few guest panellists alongside our regular news and sports team. And good that they've come in just at this right level. I'm going to introduce into the studio. I want to start, starting from left to right, we'll go and introduce ourselves, who we are on the panel. Okay. Um, I'm Melanie. I am one of the public faces from Nightline. I'm Becca. I'm the Vice Chair for Community and Wellbeing at James College. And James has got his microphone up a little bit too high, so we'll move that down for him, ready for him to say who he is. Sorry, I've never been on this before. Um, I'm James Tracy. I'm former Access and Disability Officer at Halifax College, and I'm now one of the chairs of the University of York Mental Health Awareness Project. Okay, thank you very much for joining us here today, guys. Um, Obviously, welfare is a big issue on campus. (laughs) It's something that has been discussed a lot in the USU election coverage. Um, We know the welfare and community candidates are all campaigning on on different things that will hopefully try and improve welfare access on campus. And I think you guys provide a a broad sort of spectrum of, of... students volunteering and supporting students from a variety of welfare backgrounds. So thank you very much for joining us on tonight's programme. What I'm going to do to begin with, um, while we while we start the conversation, I'm going to go over to an interview that I had early today with Peter Quinn. He's the director of the Student Support Services here at the University of York. And he is going to talk about a few things. He's going to talk about the role of Night Safe on campus. He's going to talk about um, the university provision for welfare in times of sort of uh, emergency, which we might have seen in the last week, and also just the more general role that both colleges, universities, and the wider community plays for welfare. So we'll start with that interview now, and then we'll go into a few panel discussions later on in the night. So the Open Door team are a team of, it's a multidisciplinary team, and many universities have a counselling service. The Open Door team is slightly different from that, in that they have um, a, a set of practitioners within the team who can um, deliver a, a range of Um, support, strategy giving uh, and helpful um, interventions for students. Their role is to help students overcome barriers to to their study. So they're not providing treatment, we're not stepping on the toes of the NHS. High uh, functioning talented students um, that you find all over the place at the University of York visiting the Open Door team, which one in ten students do, um, 
is to enhance their success or challenge the things that would stop them getting the degree that they're capable of. We um, very sadly had two students die um, recently, um, both from Vanbrugh College, um, and and you know it's 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 very tragic that, that that's happened on campus. What the university's role is in, in when when events like that happen is to provide as much support as possible to the family um, and primarily to, to uh, their close friends of the students, uh, which we've been doing actively. Um, but we also have a range of things that we do to, to offer additional support. So the Open Door team have been involved in, in offering um, support, particularly for, for students impacted by by the deaths of, of, of our two students. Um, most of our students use their friends and family networks when, when they have a bereavement, and, and that's what most people do in society, and, and we're no different from that. But it can be um, additionally difficult for um, close friends and, and classmates of, of students, so we offer that enhanced service. And Unity Health, our on-campus GP provider, has also been working to provide additional counselling appointments and links into local services for people who might need it. But most of the, the work that has gone into it have been by the college in terms of making sure that students are appropriately informed about what's going on. That, that's sometimes a little difficult because we have to protect privacy um, demanded by the, the, the police and coroner's office. Um, but we try and make sure that people are, are kept up to date with as much information as we can possibly give. In, in your opinion, sort of as a director of this service, does the university provide enough sort of support for your yourself so you can mm. um, sort of prosper as a as a yeah, team? Um, sometimes, like the waiting times have been a bit longer than expected. Yeah. Think we, well, what, what else could waiting times are a big issue nationally? We know that, um, and we, we, you know, universities talk to each other about a range of issues, and and I'm in a particular network of people doing my kind of role. Now, the, the waiting times for traditional counselling services are very higher, uh, very much higher than they used to be because the demand on those services is much greater. The, you, you've seen the austerity cuts that have impacted particularly on mental health and young people's health services, and we're certainly seeing the impact of that. Waiting times are higher than we would like, but in terms of if you contrast them with NHS services, GPs and other similar services, yes, the waiting times are a bit longer than we like, but they're not um, in the realms of unacceptable waiting times. It's also interesting to note that we've got about 30% did not attend rate at the moment from um, from students coming along, and, and I think the GP surgeries, the waiting time there is one week longer than it need be. We can do something about the uh, the waiting times if people would. There's always the, the the thought to throw lots of extra money at it, and that would help. I'm not sure that that would be the case because what we would just have is is extra people. What we we are trying to do as an institution is to promote um, more of a self agency, more of a resilient student body. Um, and we're doing a lot of work within the colleges to, to foster that. We're also pleased that we've got Nightline and other student-led initiatives on campus which, which help a lot too. So I think we're working in, in kind of cooperation across the university. But we're, we've all got to work together on this. It's not a case of, oh, well, the university must do something, as in you know the central administrative functions or the support services. It's essential that we all work together on this because um, we're all adults. That That's the key point. And... Um, you know, a lot of, of students have it within their power to um, to make changes to themselves or to support their friends. Um, and that's part of coming to university, I think, learning the difference between being part of a family unit, coming away, learning 
about um, some of life's challenges, getting the support you need when you need it, mm. but not necessarily having to get specialist interventions for what are normal developmental things. There are lots of normal life activities that happen that you don't need to go to specialist support services. Sort of the USU Night Safe Scheme and the Street yeah. Angels supporting students in York, because as you just said, we are all adults. Yeah. Everyone's um, responsible for their own actions. I mean, yeah. university can't literally no. hold people's hands on a night out. What, what do you think the best approach is? I think the night safe scheme, which you touched on, is a really good thing. I mean, I think my understanding of York students going out um, is that you know, the vast majority of students are responsible. They have a good time as they should. That's part of coming away and studying. Um, I think where people do take it too far, we have systems in place to support them. Um, as adults though, so we might pay their taxi fare or we might you know, keep an, an extra eye on them if they come back um, from town um, too worse for wear. But I, I, I don't think I would subscribe to the idea that we need to put in um, really specialised measures to support adults in their drinking, I think. Um, so, you know, the nightclub being on campus would probably be a good thing for an, as an option so that you don't need to necessarily go off campus. I think what we need to focus more, though, is on pre-drinking and that kind of behaviour where um, it doesn't matter whether we've got an, an on-campus or an off-campus nightclub. If people are doing most of the drinking before they go out um, in a really uh, excessive way that, that is, is damaging to their health and, and arguably to their enjoyment, then I think that's something a bit more reasonable to, to, to focus on. Well, Peter Quinn, thank you very much for your time for joining us on the UI News Hour and answering those very valuable questions. You're very welcome, thanks. The UI News Hour with George Lane. It's coming up to 16 minutes past six. You're listening to BOI News Hour. Thank you very much for joining us in the studio, our panellists. We're going to have a bit more of a discussion now. The interview there with Pete pretty much covered everything we're going to talk about in tonight's show. Uh, and just in case you weren't listening, like our panel wasn't, it focused on things to do with the on-campus club night, um, things like that. We're, we were having a very good discussion in the studio whilst that interview was going on. And equally, that's the sort of discussion we're going to have now. I suppose to begin with, the initial question for you all, uh, is to do with welfare provision on campus. The open door team often has a lot of pressure. There's a, a big sort of waiting list sometimes to get on it, uh, maybe a week or two. Um, but as Pete was saying in that interview, the sort of the level of uh, waiting for University of York students is actually a lot lower than it is in other areas. It's a lot lower than it would be for GP or, or prescribed sort of routes. Um, and one thing we were talking about whilst the interview was happening was to do with the rate of students who don't show up for appointments. And I suppose that's, I think that's the first point I want to discuss about. Um, I'm not sure if I want to bring you in right now because you've got some fantastic stats to do about um, no-shows. But that, that's a big thing. Like A lot of money has been invested into these facilities. People are saying, why can't more be invested to make more appointments? But is it is it a factor of, of people just need to show up to the appointments to begin with? There are a lot of um, students that are classified as DNAs, which is do not arrive. So um, in essence, the open door team lose one practitioner a week um, through do not arrives. Um, and Unity Health use a uh, doctor a day um, through doing arrives, and it's a simple process to cancel a procedure. Um, and actually, one of the things I was discussing with the disabled student network earlier is that it's brilliant that the Unit uh, Unity Health are now texting um, the students that have that uh, option on their profiles um, when they have an appointment, because then if it gets to the day and you see this text and you're like, actually, I don't need that little appointment, very easy to rem remember to call in. 
cancel it and then it can be passed on and when someone comes in later in the day and needs an appointment that can then be scheduled for them instead of the student that does not need it now i suppose um these sort of provisions across campus are very important to students there's a variety of sort of reasons why people need to go to these services from uh, sort of stress related academic related based to family personal issues um lo- loads of uh, loads of different things um and one thing that was quite interesting from Pete's interview was the Open Door team isn't necessarily the first and only place students can go. Um, we're joined, obviously, by representatives from Nightline. Nightline is a very anonymous sort of service for students to um, ring up to and speak to people about. However, you are the public face of Nightline. Um, so I wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about what Nightline offers and, and, and how it can sort of reduce the impact of some of these other more busy services by by going to, towards a more suitable nightline. Yeah, so um, what we were talking about before was that um, some people kind of think that going to open door teams seems to be the first thing that they'd go for um, when they're experiencing things like homesickness and a breakup or something like that when they don't necessarily need therapy for. So nightline is somewhere that you can literally just come and talk through your problems. You won't get any advice. It's all just kind of listening and going through what they're feeling and that kind of thing. Um, And, yeah, somewhere that you could go beforehand, maybe if you did go and then it doesn't seem to have helped you, then you could go back over to Open Door Team. We've also got information on a wide range of mental health um, issues and that kind of thing and where to go if you've got those problems. So, yeah, somewhere that you could go beforehand if you weren't sure about it, really. Uh, That's an interesting point there mm. about obviously they're there to listen they're not necessarily there to give advice but well they're not there to give advice yeah. it's 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 kind of a similar method to what the the college welfare teams are there for they're there to signpost people onto the most appropriate service and and sometimes listening is is just what people need um they just need someone to talk to um we're also joined in the studio by james who represents the university of york um don't know the official name of it but is it the mental health it's the university of york mental health awareness project we were originally the group who organized world mental health day which you could probably it was week two of last term and we did the paper butterflies around campus who people might have come to a couple of the events or seen us around campus that we've had this term uh we're currently looking at becoming sort of a volunteering project with the university but um, it's worth pointing out in terms of other services, so instead of just going straight to Open Door, the GP, your college tutors and your college welfare team, who you should have met from first year, if not, they're very easy to find. You should Information on it should be found in your JCR. Also, on our Facebook page, there are references towards what sort of support services there are on campus, uh, and that can also be found on the current student support page. So lots of, lots of services there that people can have access to. What I'm going to do now is, before we go on to a more wider discussion about uh, things like the club on campus, which has been referred <laughs> to, people saying that could be a, the uh, solution to any welfare problems. Obviously, we, we all in the studio have, a, have an opinion on that. And as, as well as talking about other schemes like the Night Safe scheme, which uh, we haven't got any representatives from tonight. However, what we will be doing on UOI News Hour next term is we'll be shadowing the Night Safe team to see exactly what we do in the evening. But... Before that, we'll have a little discussion about it. For now, what I'm going to do is one of our speech team uh, very kindly um, went along and spoke to a few students from across across a few different colleges to find out about what they thought about the college welfare teams, their involvement. Um, and so we'll, we'll go over to that audio now just to have a listen, and then we'll have a bit more discussion on this issue of welfare for today. 
Whether it's World Mental Health Day or the National Time to Talk scheme, groups and events advocating welfare are a prominent part of university life. One of the most supposedly engaging and accessible providers of welfare for students is the college system itself, but what do colleges and JCRCs actually do for us? I went to find out the consensus. Uh, my name is Sasha White. I'm a first-year undergraduate at Vanbar College. Uh, my name is Anthony Noonan. I'm in Halifax College. I'm a first-year English student. What do you know about what your college offers in terms of welfare support? Um, well, obviously, from the beginning, I've been aware of the uh, welfare tutors that are there for us to talk to and go to with any issues that we might have. Um, as well as this, uh, our college does offer um, Tuesday evenings at the Warren, um, which allows... Uh, anyone who wants to go along and just vent or have a conversation um, about their studies or any aspect of their personal life to just go along and have a bit of a chill out time which is useful uh, it seems as though they get a lot of uh, bits and pieces out there to us via emails and these also uh, little workshops that they have on the weekends or Friday or Tuesday nights and they get these different things like we had previously, something to do, a workshop to do with uh, mindfulness which taught us different things, how to like sort of structure your head and make sure you're not all like flappy and panicked about different things and uh, they did little things like they've got coming up uh, another workshop on uh, first aid and they do little bits and they get more community things so if you're feeling lonely and stuff they can help you out and there's plenty of support like whenever you go to the um, reception there's loads of numbers if you need help they can always help you out for that have you actually been to any of these events i haven't but uh, i am aware of a few people who have gone and have found it really helpful so it's a useful resource to have Yes, I actually I went to the mindfulness one, and the, and my housemates are planning to go to, and myself are planning to go to the first aid one, so we can uh, get that more. And found them pretty. Uh, we found, I found the mind the mindfulness one very uh, interesting actually because it's something that it helped me uh, figure things out in a way that I'd never actually thought about. And uh, yeah, in a time where I was feeling quite worried, it made me feel a lot better. Have you had any personal experience with the college welfare system? Uh, yes, I have on one occasion and um, I find them incredibly helpful um, and well equipped to deal with the situation um, as well as being quick and efficient. Uh, do you think there could be any improvements in the welfare system? I think that um, a more college-driven programme with regards to things like Mental Health Day and things like that um, are would be a really good approach. I mean, I, I'm aware that the university itself uh, had a lot of activities surrounding it, but I think if individual colleges picked it up more and maybe um, had some events centred around it, that could be really useful. Uh, I think they could make themselves a little bit more known because uh, sometimes it's hard to actually know what they do. And I think a few more bits and pieces around the college, especially in a college like Halifax where it's like a little village, you know, I think you need a bit more around the place. Are you actually aware of the difference between college and JCRC welfare? Uh, not really. I'm aware that both exist, but um, although they are well advertised, they're not really differentiated upon, I don't feel. No, and that's the problem which I mentioned. That's what needs to be... These things need to be more clearer. And which do you think is uh, more prevalent in your experience? Again, I am unsure. But yeah, that's what that's again, as I mentioned, what needs to be changed and different things like that. More uh, translucence and more obvious differences and what they do. Um, well, as I'm not sure which is which, I think that all of the, the support offered in Vanbra is uh, good and easy to access. But 
um, perhaps needs to be more defined about which is JCRC and uh, which is the college. Great, thanks. I'm Chris Smith from BBC Radio 1's Newsbeat and you're listening to the News Hour on University Radio York. You are listening to the News Hour. It's coming up to 27 minutes past six and I always do like to play that Chris Smith jingle soon as though he very kindly provided his voice for our last special on the media a couple of months ago. So we're still joined in the studio by our guest panellists. Thank you very much for staying with us. We had a little report there uh, some boxes, some opinions from the streets about what people thought about college and JCRC welfare teams. Um, one thing we just picked up in the last minute is sometimes a, a confusion between the role that a JCRC or student association can have with their welfare teams and the role of a college um, residential welfare team and the college offices. Um, so I presume really the best person to ask is is, is yourself. What, what exactly is the difference and, and does it really matter if people get confused? Ultimately, if they want support, shall we just go to the first person who they think might be appropriate to go to? Um, I think that, that there is a substantial difference in the sense that um, so members of the JCRC, um, which are, I, I, I think part of the confusion comes from it is all the same college um, and it is forms of support within the same college and I think that's partly where the confusion comes from. The JCRC are volunteers, um, undergraduate students who volunteer their time um, but are not trained so we are able to signpost we are able to point people in the right directions often that can be to the college tutors whereas the college tutors are uh, postgraduate students who are hired um, that work for the college um, as part of their degree um, it actually pays for like their housing their food etc etc um, and put in a certain number of hours but are there on campus no matter what time of day um, or night for that matter um, and are a central part of the college system in the sense that they are one person that they will be with for the time that they are in that year, whereas the JCRC will swap over throughout the year. Um, it is also different in the sense that the college welfare team are trained. They are shown what to do in a difficult situation. They can talk to people, whereas the JCRC, whilst we will listen, we are encouraged not to. We are not caseworkers. We are there to help people in the right direction rather than listening to everyone's problems um, and then getting ourselves ill as well. Okay. Um, so that's the role of a college in JCR. Yeah. We, we know a bit more about Nightline now. I suppose the final thing to, to say, seeing as though we've got the panellists in the room, is a, is a little bit more on um, the world... Uh, well, not the World Mental Health Day, the University of York Mental Health Awareness Association. At the moment, James, is it is it a ratified society? Is that something that you're looking to go down? Well, we're looking at becoming a volunteering project. So um, at the moment, we've got a core group of people, but we're interested in getting more volunteers, and it's mainly around people who are interested in mental health. Uh, we've probably got a couple of events coming up soon, uh, probably a couple of meditation events like the one we had last Wednesday. Uh, and then we're also looking at doing another panel discussion at some point next term, along with some more meditation, other well-being events next term. Uh, at the moment, we're going to go into talks with the uh, University of York Student Union, and um, hopefully we should become a volunteering project. But um, Pete Quinn is behind us, who you heard earlier in an interview. He came to our event last week, and you know we're getting a lot of support from him and also from the students. So thank you, everyone, for supporting us. I suppose the question to the panel is, as individuals, you are students, you are doing a degree, you are doing all of this on sort of your own back, you're giving up either nights to, to man, man the phones on night safe, uh, night safe Nightline, you're, you're going out as a night safe volunteer on the streets, you're a m member of a college welfare teams and supporting people that way, or you're giving up your time to organise these events and sort of reduce the stigma associated with the, some of these um, things. Um, 
how was you individuals how do you cope how do you do a degree alongside this is it just is this your thing that you do at university is this your volunteering aspect or is it sort of a, a deep-rooted sort of passion for welfare that brings you to do this um, yeah okay um i kind of got involved in nightline a bit accidentally um kind of just fell upon it and then really loved it and got really involved um and that kind of started my um interest in welfare and that kind of thing and now i've gone on to kind of help james out with this project and um uh i'm involved with my college jcrc um welfare team so yeah i think it's just kind of it's something that it is a lot of work but it is kind of my downtime and i really enjoy it so it's not i don't find it too difficult to cope with at the moment really fantastic yeah i'd certainly say um i got into welfare because i felt at the time that the welfare that was offered in the college wasn't the best it could be and actually it's one of those things you think it would be difficult to balance but actually because you love it so much and because it's something you want to put your time into there's no balancing act involved you you end up spending your time doing something you love and actually that that's the most important thing to do at university is to find something you love and put your time into it um, alongside the degree um, but no the, I've never had a problem in terms of except what maybe when it comes to freshers week um in terms of ever having conflicts or um no time to myself or anything like that you always manage to find a balance i know for me i just enjoy it i mean sometimes it is tricky i won't lie but it is thoroughly rewarding and there are moments like for example when you see world mental health day come off all the events last week come off or when you do signpost someone in the right direction and you know that they're getting the help that they need, you do take pride in that. And it can be, it's something that's incredibly rewarding, albeit with its challenges. So that's why I enjoy doing it. So from one rewarding opportunity to another, uh, the USU Night Safe scheme. Um, I, I know a little bit about it. I was, I was tempted to be a volunteer. I've been out with the Street Angels on a ULY news uh, sort of special. Um, and so I know similarly the role that Night Safe play. And it's a discussion that we've had across uh, university at uh, multiple times throughout the year. USU Night Safe at the minute is out three of the four nights a week. Um, it's been upped. It was originally just two nights. Um, and we were having a discussion a few minutes ago about sort of their presence um, and whether whether we should need students out on the street looking after other people on a night out or whether people should have a bit more own responsibility on alcohol. And it's an issue that Peter Quinn talked about in his interview we are all adults here. We're all over the age of 18. Um, but it is nice to have the, the role of Nightsafe also there. James, from from what you know of Nightsafe, have you seen them out and about on an evening? Do they provide usefulness? Should we have more of them? Or is it something that we should just keep at the sort of levels at the moment? Well, I think they're fantastic. I mean, I was helping out with on the, on the welfare side of the Halifax College Freshers Week. And on the first night, they are sort of needed because I was... At one point, Manning, I was on my own outside Salvation, and they came with, you know, sanitary wipes for myself because someone had thrown up over all over me and other things. So I was really thankful of them then. And plus, they have support that early on, you know, in freshers, you don't really know where any of the clubs are. So having a JCRC supporting you when it can be tough moving away from home, and particularly when alcohol and other things are involved, that can bring up emotions that you wouldn't otherwise have. So particularly in freshers' week, it is important to have night safe and the college JCRCs providing that welfare support on nights out. Uh, I think in terms of, we are all adults, but adults can make mistakes. So 
I mean, Nightline are they're fantastic volunteers, and if they're ha as long as they're happy to go out and you know sort of man the streets, then I don't really see that if that there's a problem with it. You know, I think it is good. There have been issues, of course, in the past where people have made mistakes, and it's been tragic. And the hopefully Night Safe, you know, will be a is a good solution to that. I suppose that's that's a point we have to pick up on there. Night Safe are there all year round. College JCRCs tend to be there just for the Freshers Week officially as sticks. Do you think night safe is the is the like the long term option for the year? I think the thing that we notice most in Freshers Week is a lot of students come in having uh, only just been eighteen or newly so and maybe been eighteen for nine months of the year or something. But it's the first time in their lives they are out, they are drinking, they're in a group, and a lot of students do get very drunk in Freshers Week because it's an awkward situation. It's brand new people, you know, it, you're thousands of miles from home, you've lost your comfort zone, and a lot of people do drink excessively and it is something that we all did as students we've all had that night where we speak you know, for yourself <laughs> oh i know you have. Um, but we've all had that night that you know you've messed up and you need someone to look after you and i do think night safe in that case is incredibly important the reason that the jcrc's only do it for one week is that first week is the week that most people make that mistake admittedly that mistake can be made throughout your time at university as i can yeah well remember or not remember for that matter um but night safe are really important in the sense that when a student is ill, occasionally there are people throughout the year, in, uh, actually especially in Freshers' Week, if you think about these are brand new people, they're not really your friends at the start of the year. And actually, if you get very, very drunk, your friends aren't, are like, these brand new friends of yours aren't going to want, sorry, I did air quotes and I just realised from radio. Um, <laughs> your, your brand new friends aren't going to want to look after you and ruin their Freshers' Week because you've drunk too much and you're throwing up down yourself. And I think at that point, it's very important to have someone there to look after you that isn't, you know, drunk and disorderly as well. Um, but night safe are incredibly important throughout the year because that is a mistake that people make and make again. But also it's things like the spiking rate in York has gone up massively. And actually when it comes to night safe, that's an incredibly important thing to have. If someone's been spiked or, you know, they've gone out wearing heels and they've broken a heel and then there's flip flops for them, brilliant. And I think it's a really important service in terms of student welfare and student safety. And actually, it's been brilliant in bringing down the amount of people that have fallen into the river. So it's always a plus. I think the final point I want to I want to finish on for this welfare <laughs> discussion on the OI News Hour is the fact that the university a couple of months ago proposed the idea of having a club night or a club on campus. Um, not necessarily proposed by the university itself. It was proposed by. York Conferences Limited, which is the commercial services aspect of university. So it's not, nothing to do with USU, nothing to do with university as a whole. But it's been proposed that this could be a way to combat welfare. Who needs night safe when you've got it on campus and it's at your own doorstep? What, what's, what's the panel's view on that? Is, is it worthwhile to invest all this money in an on-campus club night or is it better to sort of see these services like night safe and like, this, like the taxi deals that have been negotiated continue? You definitely Do should go first on this <laughs> mm -hmm. um, would you go to a club night on campus if it was there if it was a permanent I club no i think that i think that the nights that are there for freshers week are enough and that's kind of weans the students into club nights so i know in vanbra they do uh club nights in their dining hall for a couple of nights of the week and I think that's enough, really. You don't need any more. And I find it really frustrating because Nightline at the moment don't have an accessible on-campus flat that they want to kind of build something else when they're saying well, there's no space for us. So that's really frustrating. But otherwise, I just, yeah, I don't think it's necessary. I think that 
um, as you said before about night safe we're adults here we don't need to be kind of looked after all the time so I think that night safe really and the taxi um, schemes and that kind of stuff is really enough and I can and I completely agree with that. I mean, it is ridiculous how nights, night safe, you know, nightline is completely inaccessible. I made your mistake. Is completely inaccessible. Um, the Disabled Students Network did a. They tried to get someone in a wheelchair to try and get into night safe, and it is impossible for somebody. Nightline. Nightline. Too many things. Too many things. Yeah. Is um. And it is, stay out in daytime. Yeah. <laughs> and it is impossible. And also, particularly if you're a second and third year, a nightclub on campus won't really work because. There are things and attractions in town that you can't do on campus, and people are always going to go to campus. I don't know, to, to town. I'm getting everything mixed up. But uh, people are always going to go into town, so it's not like you can just shit, you know, keep us safe by keeping us here on campus. People are going to go into town to other attractions that aren't just student nights. So there are many other things that people can do in York that aren't the student club nights. And that is always going to be there. So I don't really think having a club on campus is going to solve any problems. Try not to bubble up with anger. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I have several massive issues with the club. Um, first and foremost, I had a conversation with the DSN network, uh, sorry, dis uh, uh, Disabled Students Network earlier, um, and it will cost basically three times as much to make it accessible, which is a legal requirement, um, because it would involve ripping down the bridge between chemistry and Derwin and uh, rebuilding it. Um, it's also uh, would be competing with Yusu club nights that we already have the agreement with and therefore would lose money from. Um, and furthermore, they're saying that it's safer because, uh, you know, they're away from the river. Lake's pretty dangerous too. Um, and I completely agree with you um, about what you said about the second and third years coming into campus. I do believe that if, it, if they did set it up, they did run it, it would basically turn into another pre-drink area. Um, like the bars that we have on campus because a lot of students will still end up going into town. Um, on top of all of that, the idea that it's a capacity of 200 people once you take out stewards and bar staff um, means that the only college it's viable for, which is one of their points that they're putting forward, um, that it would be viable for freshers' events, the only college that could use it is Constantine. Um, and actually, why would Constantine want to come in all the way from Hez East to use a, a venue to then go out into town? not really going to happen um and i do think it's just it's not their most well thought out proposal and it's money that they could invest elsewhere in the university um and still make more money from it just purely on the the basis of there is so much more to be improved there is so much more to that we could do without trying to renovate a space that hasn't been used in years well i think we should go to james before Sorry. we draw up the last just one more point it's also worth to point out that with cuts it is mental health services that are that do lose their funding first this is a point pete quinn made in our panel discussion last week and it's a you know it's a good point raise if the money has sort of this money used you know that can go towards something that isn't really needed and as i didn't i that's a good point about the point the only the fact that constantine is the only college that could use it for a freshers event it just seems like a silly idea with the tragedies that have happened that we're gonna that money will be cut on mental health services and then we're gonna go build a club you know a club on campus it, it just seems like particularly with the issues with drinking and stuff we already have yeah. in students yeah 
it's like, yeah. It's, so, it sounds it sounds like a, an issue that the the commercial services are going to have to tackle because obviously it's a different pot of money. It's a pot of money from sort of a private organisation that's there to run as a business. So effectively, I don't think it's necessarily being drawn away from other university budgets. It is a commercial entity. However, it's a discussion that we're going to have to have alongside USU, alongside the university, and hopefully alongside students to to really sort of reinforce the message that. I don't think necessarily everyone wants it. I know there is some support for it, but I think from what we've heard so far across campus... student politics, not a lot of people want it. Uh, <laughs> the, the, other, the other aspect is um, you would have to have... A, if the, because it's situated in Derwent, the Derwent welfare team wouldn't ma- have a massive amount of stress because they'd be first on scene. Or you'd have to uh, get one person on duty from welfare every night, and actually that's not mm. something you can ask um, any student to necessarily agree to straight off just because they want to put a club in. Well, thank you very much. We'll draw up to the end of our welfare discussions there. What we'll do, just to finish off, if in one sentence you guys could explain how, if anyone listening right now or listening back on the URY Player podcast is listening in and is in need of support, have you got a sentence just to to kind of sell your service in in a way and to encourage people to speak out and and have that open conversation? We'll start with Nightline Um. And, and how you can contact you. Oh, okay. Um, so Nightline is a listening and information service. It's all confidential. Um, you can contact us um, by visiting the flat in Heslington next to the Charles, phoning, which I can't remember the number, oh, 01904 323735. Um, or uh, email, and I can't remember the email address, just look on the website, and I am. So it's also quite good for people that maybe are hard of hearing or they don't feel like they could talk out loud about their problems and also those that are not don't have English as their first language that might want to write it down rather than use it um, and you can come for whatever problem anything to anything big anything small nothing nothing's too small too big yeah um, if you are feeling troubles or you're worried about something the college welfare team and college tutors within your college are always accessible um, if you're within your college you should have those details but you're, if you're ever in any issues um, it's always good to look at Facebook or to go into the porters that every porters uh, has the details um, furthermore we can signpost you to any service that you then feel that you need um, but yeah uh, I'll just repeat what they said your college tutors are fantastic um, for more information the University of York Mental Health Awareness Project has all the list of services on campus and a couple off campus that are that are good for support and also other groups such as the Samaritans are fantastic you can find their number online but if you really do have a problem talk to your college tutors or one of your college welfare team well hopefully this 45 minutes discussion that we've had will outline all the services on offer and outline just such what such an important issue welfare can be and fingers crossed people will be able to access these services regardless of what size problem we think they might have it's better to speak about it and you make make use of these very valuable and very good services that we have on offer. Thank you very much for joining us on the panel. Thank uh, you very much. Thank you. And we'll we'll go to a little jingle before the next part of the URI News Hour. On air, online, York Uni's student radio station. Radio news by students for students. The URI News Hour on University Radio York. So it's coming up to 6.46. You listen to the URI News Hour with me, George Lane. Next week, we will be joined by Kat Suave, hopefully as normal. She's the normal host of the URI News Hour at the moment, but unfortunately, she's a little bit unwell. So she's looking after her own welfare by getting herself better with her little migraine. So 
uh, let's hope that cat gets better for next week for our final news hour of a term. Joining me in the studio now, we have some people from the, well, they're as part of Ustart, which is, for any of you who don't know, we have featured with him before. It's a basically a place where you can get crowdfunded, I believe, um, and sort of funding for projects. And at the moment, we're joined by Jack in the studio. Hello, Jack. Good evening. I'm doing very well, except I've turned your microphone off, so you are <laughs> good, now back on good, our... Good evening, good evening. What we're going to be doing over the next sort of couple of weeks uh, after the break from the Easter term is every week we're going to be focusing on a different new start project. We're working alongside them to try and publicise all these fantastic projects. So to begin with, from your work with Ustart, what exactly is your project which you're sort of funding for and, and why did you initially choose Ustart? Um, what we're doing, uh, we're crowdfunding a film. Uh, called Mr. Greaves. It's got England uh, rugby international player James Haskell, as well as a load of other brilliant actors that I've worked with before in, and we basically need some money to make it. Uh, and we've done crowdfunding before. We've used uh, like crowdfunding.com, but the very kind people that you start, they double what you raise. So obviously, kind of, it's half as half as much effort to. Well, we're going for a thousand pounds, so it's pretty. It's pretty. Just gives you a boost. Pretty exciting, and the, the reason why they can crowdfund it is it's, it's got a link, hasn't it, to the University of York Alumni sort of yeah. Foundation. So in a sense, we have all the people who work ringing, ringing the phones, ringing the alumni, getting donations, and then that, I believe, pays sort of for part of your project or, or yeah. a certain percentage. Yeah, that, uh, I think it pays the admin fees more than anything. Um, but yeah, we, we've got quite a few students that have backed, actually. They've just seen it. Um, so you start off promoting it, and they've got their networks and alumni. And so yeah, it just helps you get a bigger, bigger kind of mass of people that are interested in it. So having a look through your sort of personal sort of film CV in a way, um, film is something that you haven't just started uh, at the university. Obviously, you're you're an active uh, undergraduate at the TFTV sort of department. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit more about yourself before you arrived at university and what made you get into sort of this passion for film. Um, my dad started it probably. He um he made a film called M25 the movie which is as exciting as it sounds. It's, quite, it's a deliberate kind of, just a funny thing. And when, when he was made redundant, he used to make uh, little stop-motion animations with us. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into it. And then, I don't know, I, I kind of started it as a hobby. I was big into photography, and I thought I'd, I'd try film, do a few music videos, and then kind of decided that that's what I wanted to do. So I started taking it seriously, you know, like getting a crew together, getting professional actors in, getting a bit of money to make the films, and kind of the ball just started rolling, really. And I suppose um, within the TFT department, there'll be a lot of um, students as part of their degree, they'll have to produce some sort of film. Is, is this film for you as part of your undergraduate work or is it an external sort of thing? Because I know, I know one of my housemates, she, she funded um, through one of these sort of schemes as well. They, they got matched funding uh, and equally a lot of other sort of projects have had to do that. What, what sort of involvement does your have on your degree? Um, nothing at all, to be honest. Like, it's quite disappointing because we haven't actually made a film yet. Um, which is a bit annoying, uh, but we are making one at the end of the year. But we're we're limited on what we can use, so we have to use these very basic cameras, and we can't do nice fancy shots and stuff. It's quite limiting. Um, so this is just essentially my hobby, which I hope to turn into a career. So I just churn them out, you know, kind of averaging once a month, probably. Yeah, and uh, what happen what happens with these films? Obviously, sometimes um, you might submit them for certain sort of competitions or awards. Um, what what's what's the sort of history of you and and you and submitting these films to these sort of places or or people who've seen them and might have commented on them? Um, yeah, you you basically submit them to every free entry festival that you can possibly find, and then if you've got a bit of spare money, you enter them into the paid ones. 
um, and they, they generally do quite well. We um, I got selected uh, by the IAC last year to represent the UK at Unica, which is uh, Europe's largest non-commercial film festival. It's in Slovakia. It's all very nice and good. Um, and yeah, like they they won a few awards and they de- yeah they generally do, do do quite well. Festivals. There's um there's Alfie that's out. It's out now and it's um it's only 60 seconds and there, there are a few 60 second film festivals and it's doing really well. It got voted um top 25 made in the year last year 60 second film which is pretty cool and if anyone's listening right now and is feeling quite generous maybe the student loans popped in or they've got a bit of money lying around how exactly do people find out about your projects and find out how to donate it um if you go on the you start page i think it's one of the featured projects at the moment because we've only got we've only got three days left and we still need a couple of hundred quid so yeah if there are any kind folk out there that fancy supporting a student film it will um it'll be quite a nice one and do, do people donating, do they just do it out of the goodness of the heart or does it have sort of a, a scheme where you, you donate a certain amount of money and something happens? Um, yeah, there are there are rewards, but we're unfortunately the way you, uh, you start works, we are quite limited in what we can offer. So we can't, uh, what, I, what I'd prefer to do is kind of sell a stake in the film. So any money that I'd make from festivals or being sold or whatever, they'd get essentially try and get their money back uh, but we couldn't do that so we have to offer things like to get to the premiere merchandise signed posters framed posters and like messages from cast and crew etc yeah uh, so it's pretty it's pretty limiting but but yeah. still it's, it's getting you getting you money as long yeah. as as long as you, you reach a funding target your money will will come no doubt and anyone listening who maybe doesn't want to donate but wants the, the same as you and wants wants to be able to have a project and, and get crowdfunded um, why would why would you say people should do it and, and is there any sort of tips that you'd give is it obviously you can't just get money out of nowhere people are gonna have to work out to get mm-hmm. donations so what why would you recommend people to use that scheme and, and why um it kind of if you want to make your films look decent then you need a good camera and good cameras cost money to rent like we're paying kind of a 100 pound a day to rent the camera uh, and then you've got all the other equipment light sound it costs a lot of money to put a like semi-professional film together uh, and then you've got to pay expenses stuff like that but definitely if you kind of if if you want to get serious about filmmaking you have to have a budget even if it's you can make a film for a couple hundred quid like a decent amount and you just i don't know if you want to if you want to get anywhere in this industry you've got to pull your finger out and actually do stuff well jack unless you've got anything more to say about your project or any donations remember you can go on to the you start page and not only see your project and hopefully donate to that but there will be lots of other projects which we will be featuring on the URI News Hour over the next couple of weeks after we come back after the Easter holidays. We're finding out a little bit more about all the projects that you can donate to but for now thank you very much for hanging around and appearing on the URI News over this week Jack. Thank you very much for having me. And good luck with your project. Hopefully you'll reach the target funding and then you can go ahead and make some fantastic more films. More fantastic. I hope so. Thank you very much. No worries. Well thank you. We're going to leave it there with Jack for the moment. Into the studio comes the rest of our news team. We're going to have the final seven minutes of our show. We're going to be looking at York Vision which was just released yesterday lots of controversial stories in there as always with Vision which is always good to hear um, but to begin with I'll introduce our your iNews and Sport team so joining me in the studio we have Jack Staples Butler good evening George you're joining us back from America you, you've been away the last year you're back this year yeah. and you are you are getting back into your iNews and Sport team which is absolutely fantastic and joining us for this Vision look through and also Equally, we've got Peter Rogers, who gave us the news, who will be back on in six minutes with the news. To begin with, I think there's only one thing we can talk about to start with, and it is their front page story. It's a story that's causing quite a bit of debate on campus. Some people think it's being 
over sort of uh, publicized some people think making the word fury might make it sound as if it's, it's a huge issue on campus i know at the moment we've got elections underway and people are focused on exams and dissertations and looming deadlines but there does seem to be actually some sort of difference in opinion over this issue for those of you who haven't seen the latest york vision um the fury as pro-life society is ratified it's an article that is to do with a society that has been ratified by UC. it's been given their sort of services and support their insurance their room booking facilities but not necessarily funding um and it's a society that um sort of is against abortion is against euthanasia is, is basically for pro-life and for life of any form um including um, life before birth and I suppose it's an issue which we don't want to get too much into the technical for and against of of this thing but it's to do with the free speech aspect within the article there are a few comments from uh, some people within USU some people within uh, the student body as a general is to free speech a few weeks ago UKIP was ratified as a society that caused a lot of debate and Sam Maguire said well we have to let anyone have an opportunity to speak but he was very much dead against it i think similarly at the moment people might be of the same opinion where everyone's got an entitlement to have these discussions um just because you don't agree with it sh- should it not appear on, as a use to society i think just bringing in jack now what what are your initial thoughts on this issue and the debate well as uh, several people uh, have pointed out i'd be interested to know how york vision gauged this metric of fury uh, when they uh, went to press um it's almost, I don't want to accuse them of begging the question, but it's almost um, when the uh, the national tabloids fury as, anger as, outrage as. How do we measure this fury and outrage? As you said, people are focused on use of elections at the moment. Everybody's got exams. Um, and in this story, one, um, a York alumni, uh, or sorry, a York uh, alumnus, Jacob Campbell, um, has uh, tweeted and commented recently that only uh, three USU officers, um, a spokesperson for the Pro-Life Society, and one university student were interviewed by uh, Vision in the, in the published version of the story. Um, and there wasn't really an atmosphere of seething anger or seething rage. Obviously, this is an issue that uh, brings very high emotions and very high passions on both sides. Um, but again, it, in terms of restricting this society or prevent it from being ratified, uh, this is the same story as we've had before with, with UKIP and with Palestine Sock two years ago. Um, there is always the potential for societies to become dysfunctional. Uh, there is a fear that other pro-life, pro-life groups have been involved in intimidating or making things difficult for women who are wanting to seek family planning services, um, protesting abortion clinics, and so on. As it stands, I don't think there's any strong evidence that this society is planning anything like that. Uh, there's always the potential for things to go wrong. Palestine's sock, uh, sock could potentially start protesting a, an Israeli-organized uh, event that they have done in the past. Anybody can intimidate anyone. I think the thing there, though, is then you have to trust that USU's regulation body for societies will uh, look to crack down on any behavior that goes beyond the remit of societies. Yes, um, absolutely. And I suppose one thing uh, that's been made aware to me by Jack, their editor-in-chief at York Vision, he's he's posted to me a link to a Twitter feed for the Right to Life UK. And they've said, well done to the York Life Matter Society for setting up in teeth of astonishingly bigoted and prejudiced opposition. Um, So obviously we're going to have support from the national bodies. um, And I suppose what the difficulty has been at the moment has been people don't, want this society on campus because we think it might be something but it's not and i think what the organizers of the pro-life society are saying is they want an opportunity to debate this they're quite happy to have people in discussing in a sensible way and i think picking up on peter's point you sue are there to regulate the societies if the society changes from being one thing and goes to be another thing then 
maybe there are grounds to be de-ratified. de-ratified. Yes. If, if, it, if it starts impacting on students, if it tar- starts targeting select groups of students, if it starts doing some of the tactics that might be associated with these sort of campaigns I've done in the yes. past, I'm sure you would intervene. But until they demonstrate or, or show that they are not able to go under those sort of used to guidelines then i think the discussion is still there freedom of speech everyone should have entitlement and maybe you're right um the fury might not have been there but it is hard to to suggest that in an article yes um, I, I, I think there is a lot of discussion on campus yes. about it um and I, I don't think vision have done anything wrong by reporting on this i think they've actually it's right to have this discussion but i think really what what would be even better as a discussion is to have this new society have a debate have a reasonable discussion and then people can actually vent their views because it's, it's a very controversial issue both sides have an opinion on it why not discuss yes. it a bit further well a stage formal debate might be able to might be more accurate in terms of gauging opinion if you had say 200 people turn up to this of course it'd be very contentious as long as it was a safe environment um we can actually get a measure of, of what the student body thinks um it's important to remember that we we must never take refuge in the safety of consensus even if 95 percent or 99 percent of students oppose the ratification of this society the tables could turn if you're somebody who is pro-choice uh, or doesn't agree with the pro-life arguments and you feel that you might be in a majority on a university campus be aware that attitudes can change. Um, 50 years ago or 50 years from now, the pro-life society might have the majority of support and people might start saying, well, we don't like this pro-choice society that's just been ratified. We, we find their beliefs very objectionable and we think we should stop them from being, uh, from being organized. Um, so just be aware. Repulsive as you may find it, uh, it's your rights that are on the line as well. And finally, we're coming